Hello and welcome to Unproduced and Unadapted. Have you ever watched a movie and thought, I wish that character got more screen time? Or maybe that character's backstory is way more interesting than our heroes? Or even, my god, they didn't include my favourite character from the book. Well, you've come to the right place. We're here to talk about the sequels, prequels, spin-offs and adaptations they should have made. We're talking sidekicks tragically overlooked, villains done wrong, background characters that stole the show, and characters missing from adaptations. We'll also discuss all those books that haven't been adapted yet, as well as all of those movies that set up the sequel, and then we never got it. Each episode, we'll discuss a different movie and character or set of characters, and explain why we think they should be the star of their own show. We talk potential storylines, dream casting, and pitch our own missing movie. This goes without saying, given we're talking about movies, but just in case. Spoilers from the outset, for this and every episode. To kick things off, our first actual episode of Unproduced and Unadapted is going to focus on the deadly Viper assassination squad from Kill Bill. As with most Tarantino movies, there are wonderful supporting characters in Kill Bill, and the group of killers headed by the eponymous Bill are amazing and I love them. We got to learn quite a bit about some of them across the two Kill Bill movies, but there is potential to get so much more from these characters. What were their lives like before they joined the squad? How did Bill recruit them? And what about all of the missions they did before they ended up, spoilers here, turning on and trying to kill Uma Thurman? There are so many potential stories to explore. We'll discuss the original two movies, and then talk about what we would like for a sequel or a spin-off. Are we talking a movie? Or do we think a TV show might be better? Maybe both. We then have some fun talking about potential recasting and also who we'd like to direct. You know, other than Tarantino. So sit back and enjoy my ramblings about Kill Bill. Okay, let's do a quick rundown of the basics. The two volumes came out in 2003 and 2004 and were written and directed by Quentin Tarantino. They were produced by, among others, longtime Tarantino collaborator Lawrence Bender. He produced Pulp Fiction, Reservoir Dogs and Jackie Brown, and also Inglorious Bastards. The cinematographer was another longtime Tarantino collaborator, Robert Richardson. After Kill Bill, he went on to work on Inglorious Bastards, Django Unchained, Hateful Eight, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. The music was produced by the fantastic RZA and is truly brilliant, and we'll touch on that a bit more later. Both volumes had a combined budget of 60 million, that is incredible given most movies of this calibre cost well in excess of 100 million dollars. Hell, HBO spend more than that on a TV show these days. And the two volumes took in a combined 330 million dollars, which makes this, assuming we think of them as one big movie, Tarantino's third highest grossing movie after Django Unchained and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. A quick aside, I'm going to be throwing a lot of names at you on every episode. If you check the show notes out for this and every episode of Unproduced and Unadapted, there will always be a link to a full episode transcript. In there you'll find links to IMDb profiles and the like for every actor, director and every film and TV show I mention. You can then check them all out and see what you think of my suggestions. So what's Kill Bill all about? Well, the official Miramax plot goes like this. Four years after taking a bullet in the head at her own wedding, the bride emerges from a coma and decides it's time for payback. 
with a vengeance. Having been gunned down by her former boss Bill and his deadly squad of international assassins, it's a kill-or-be-kill fight she didn't start, but is determined to finish. So I think that's pretty damn good. Some out there are awful, but that is a great plot outline. The movie was originally planned and shot as a single film, but the final cut came in at well over four hours, and instead of cutting scenes out, Tarantino got the go-ahead to cut it into two movies, and that's how we ended up with Volume 1 in 2003 and Volume 2 a year later. This was the first example of an obvious single movie being split up that I remember. It then became a bit of a thing with Harry Potter, Twilight and The Hunger Games doing it. I'm not against it at all. If the source material allows for it and the script is good enough and you can get two well-paced movies out of it, go ahead and do it. It means more for us. In fact, I discovered recently that there is a full four-hour cutout there. It's known as Kill Bill, The Whole Bloody Affair. It's a little bit different. It has slightly longer and gorier anime sequences and the Crazy 88 fight scene is entirely in colour. But it's never been released. Apparently only a few film stock copies exist and Tarantino has all of them and only shows them at special screenings. Who knows, maybe one day we'll get an invite. Let's run through the members of the Deadly Viper Assassination Squad. We have Bill, of course, played by David Carradine, someone I don't actually know a lot about. I think I've only seen him in these movies and a few others like Death Race, and he's hardly in Volume 1. You hear him, you see his hands at the start, and then he appears at the end. We have Beatrix Kiddow, or The Bride, played by Uma Thurman, and then we have Bill's brother Bud, played by Michael Madsen, Orenishi, played by Lucy Liu, and we have Vivica A. Fox playing Vanita Green, and finally Daryl Hannah as the wonderfully twisted L Driver. The code names for the squad are great. All of them are named after snakes and all are pretty cool. Bill is, fittingly, Snake Charmer, since he is the leader of the squad. Beatrix is Black Mamba. Bud is Sidewinder. Orenishi is Cottonmouth. Vanita Green is Copperhead. And L Driver is California Mountain Snake. That last one is kinda lame. But some googling points out that the snake is actually a sneaky ambush hunter and it eats other snakes, so it's kinda fitting. Without a shadow of a doubt, my favourite character is Orenishi. Now is that because of the character or because of Lucy Liu? It's probably a healthy mix of both. Orenishi is the leader of the Tokyo crime world and the unofficial leader of the Crazy 88, the Yakuza gang who are killed spectacularly by the bride. She also has a crazy schoolgirl bodyguard of sorts, called Gogo Yubari, who uses a spiky ball and a chain to kill people. She's played by the excellent Chiaki Kuriyama, who is probably best known for her role in the wonderful Battle Royale. Oren has a great anime backstory that we see in Kill Bill that was produced by Production IG. They produced Ghost in the Shell, and as you'd expect, the animation and action are top-notch. I love this sequence. The scenes of her as a child are intense and the fight scenes are frenetic but balletic at the same time. The way they animate movement blows my mind. Actually, we have to talk about the fighting in the Kill Bill movies. It was choreographed by Yen Wu Ping, who is a renowned Hong Kong martial arts choreographer and director. He has worked on the Matrix movies and Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, so you know you're getting some beautiful and impressive fight scenes. 
He was also the fight coordinator on Fearless with Jet Li and Man of Tai Chi with Keanu Reeves that I really enjoyed. Looking up things for this episode, I found out that the House of Blue Leaf sequence where Beatrix fights the Crazy 88 took eight weeks to film, six weeks over schedule, and the same length of time it took Tarantino to shoot Pulp Fiction in its entirety. That's crazy. That's both a crazy amount of time for one scene, admittedly a great scene, but also a great example of how complicated movie making can be and how long it can take to film action scenes like this. Hong Kong action cinema is renowned for the intense, fast-paced fight scenes and fights that utilise the surroundings. Think Jackie Chan scrambling up scaffolding and fighting with ladders and chairs and the like. If you like the fight in Kill Bill, I recommend you check out Hard Boiled and The Killer with Chow Yun-Fat, or Police Story with Jackie Chan, and also the Ip Man movies with Donnie Yen. The action is intense and is so fast. They are great fun to watch. For me, one of the best fight scenes in Kill Bill is between the Bride and Oren, and it's also an excellent bit of cinematic planning. Oren says, in Japanese, I hope you saved your energy. If you haven't, you may not last five minutes. It is then exactly four minutes and 59 seconds from the time she steps forward and the music cues until the bride lands the fatal blow and kills Oren. I love stuff like that. I love the music in that scene too. Kill Bill has a great soundtrack, as always with Tarantino movies. This one was produced by Rizza and some of the music he wrote is brilliant. Ota Orenishi and Crane slash White Lightning are wonderful pieces of music. And a few standout tracks for me that aren't done by Rizza are the great Bang Bang My Baby Shot Me Down by Nancy Sinatra, That Certain Female by Charlie Feathers, Don't Let Me Be Misunderstood slash Elder Esmeralda Sweet by Santa Esmeralda is great, and everyone remembers Woohoo by the 5678s. Okay, let's get on to our potential sequel prequel or spin-off ideas. What would we like to see? Who would we recast? Who do we want to direct and write? And are we talking about a movie, TV show, comic, or maybe an anime? Straight off the bat, I'm thinking TV show. Maybe one season, seven episodes. One for each of the squad, then one final episode that leads nicely into volume one. Maybe the end of that final episode, we see Beatrix Kiddo going to her wedding. I think that would be great fun. Uma Thurman has done quite a few TV shows over the last few years, including Suspicion, Super Pumped and Chambers, and Lucy Liu has done a whole bunch of TV over the years, including Elementary, which I loved, Why Women Kill, Southland, which I also loved, and Dirty Sexy Money. Vivica A. Fox, too, has done a whole bunch of TV, including Empire, and Daryl Hannah was in Sense8, so it wouldn't be unusual for any of them to do a big Kill Bill TV show. Michael Madsen hasn't really done any TV, excluding straight TV movies, but surely we'd be able to get him back. Replacing David Carradine is tricky. You could go down the Tobin Bell route. He's Jigsaw from the Saw movies. He's got the look, but Matthew Modine for me, he's the one who could do it. Honestly, I've seen photos of him and he kind of looks like David Carradine now. If you squint a bit. He's tall and a bit wiry. I honestly think that could work. Obviously though, it's been 20 years, so all of these actors have aged, which makes a prequel movie or TV show a little tricky. But 
I think it would be fine. I think most people would just really appreciate having the original cast back. And you can do some impressive de-aging with makeup and VFX if necessary. But honestly, I don't think it is. And actually, Lucy Lou hasn't aged a day. But what if we did want to recast to get a younger cast and make it a bit more obvious that this is a prequel? For Beatrix Kiddo, the obvious choice is Maya Hawke. That just makes sense. She's great in Stranger Things and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but I've not seen her fight, though I'm sure she could do it. Another option, just in case we want to keep Maya Hawke for a sequel rather than the prequel, is Lily Reinhardt from Riverdale and Hustlers. She could work, give her a fringe or bangs for our US listeners, and she kinda looks right. I've not seen her do much action though. Ooh, I think I've got a good idea here. Samara Weaving from Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Snake Eyes, and the one that makes me think she'd kick ass as a young Beatrix kiddo? Ready or not. In that last one, she's about to get married, and it turns out her crazy in-laws have a tradition where the new bride must fight for her life as they all try to hunt her down. It's bonkers. And the fact that she's wearing a wedding dress in it and holding a massive gun and we basically have our young Beatrix. For a young Bill, I think we need someone who can be menacing but stays level and calm at all times, no matter what is happening. But someone who you look at and just think, yep, he can kill me. Honestly, my only thought was Bill Skarsgård. He's tall and wiry like David Carradine and he's got this intense look in his eyes that we're after. And I definitely think he can pull off the calm but I can still kill you at a moment's notice kind of vibe that we need from a young Bill. This is mostly based on him as Pennywise in the It movies but I think he's great in pretty much everything I've seen him in so he could definitely do this. Actually, now that I think about it, I want all the scars guards in this. Get Alexander Skarsgård from True Blood, Gustav from Vikings, and Stellan from, well, pretty much everything. Dune, Goodwill Hunting, Chernobyl, various Marvel movies. I'm sure we can find roles for the whole Skarsgård clan. Maybe a family of Swedish assassins Beatrix has to go up against. Ooh, I quite like that. Maybe we pitch that as an entirely separate movie. For a younger bud, my first thoughts were Will Poulter from Detroit. Dopesick and upcoming Marvel movies. Or maybe Jesse Plemons from The Irishman, No Activity, Fargo, Breaking Bad. Both are excellent and I think they could pull off Bud, but they just don't look quite right. Madsen has this smirk that works really well for the kind of twisted roles he often plays. Rupert Friend from Homeland and the Obi-Wan Kenobi TV show could be good, but he's not the same build as Madsen. Freddie Stromer from Peacemaker. Bridgerton, Unreal and a bunch of the Harry Potter movies definitely has that smirk I mentioned, but he may be too pretty. I'd love to say Holt McCallany from Mindhunter and a whole host of other shows if we were just recasting here, but we're looking for younger actors and, well, he is younger than Michael Madsen, but we need much younger. I love Holt McCallany. I want him in way more things so expect him to be a regular suggestion on future episodes. Okay, this is quite hard. A last minute entry here, but I think I'm actually happy with it. Dacre Montgomery from Stranger Things, The Broken Hearts Gallery and Power Rangers. His whole look in Stranger Things feels very bud. The denim, the hair, the kind of washed up look, but intensity too. Yeah, 
I think Dacre Montgomery would be great as a young bud. My first thought for recasting Oren Ishii was Claudia Kim from Avengers Age of Ultron, Marco Polo on Netflix and Fantastic Beasts, or maybe Jamie Chung from Lovecraft Country and Dexter New Blood. Based on Samurai Girl and Sucker Punch, I think she could really do the action. Though, looking them both up, it turns out they're both older than Lucy Liu was when she made Kill Bill, so probably not right. Lena Condor from To All The Boys I've Loved Before, Deadly Class and X-Men Apocalypse could be good. I feel like she could pull off the unassuming, quiet part of Oren, and then it would have a great impact when she suddenly turns and hits a guy in the head with an axe or something. Another good option would be Chloe Bennett from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. She can definitely do action, that could work. Or maybe Anna Akana from Jupiter's Legacy, A Million Little Things. Ooh, I think we might have a winner with one of these two actually. For Vinita Green, my first thought was Yara Shahidi from Blackish and Gronish. I think she would be pretty good, but I'm now thinking maybe Tati Gabriel from The Chilling Adventures of Sprina, You and the Uncharted movie. I think she would be great. She can be really intense, and we know she can do action after the Uncharted movie. For L Driver, we need someone who can pull off unhinged and crazy, and can fight. It's not an original thought here, but Chloe Grace Moretz from Kick-Ass and Let Me In could definitely pull off action, and probably the scary intensity of L Driver. Well, I think. Actually, I don't know if she could be crazy enough, and the look might not be right. Vanessa Kirby from The Crown and the recent Mission Impossible movies could definitely do it. We know she can do action after seeing her in Mission Impossible Fallout and Fast and Furious Hobbs and Shaw, and she can do a real intense look that is actually fairly reminiscent of Daryl Hannah in Blade Runner. Okay, yeah, I think we have a winner there with the excellent Vanessa Kirby. We can actually avoid the need to recast and still show the early days of each character by doing what the movies did and having animated scenes. I think that would work really well. It allows us to go further back in time and show more of the squad as they're out on their own before being brought together by Bill. There are some excellent animation studios out there. I'm no anime expert. Far, far, far from it. But the recent Star Wars Visions animated show introduced me to a number of studios and styles. One of the episodes is made by Production IG, who made the original animated scenes for Kill Bill, so let's get them back. I also really like the animation in Castlevania, Blood of Zeus on Netflix. Those were made by Powerhouse Studios, so they would be great too, though quite different in style. Hell, now that I'm thinking about it, I really want a Kill Bill animated show. Get Production ID. Get Powerhouse Studios. Get Fortiche Production who made Arcane. Give them each an episode focusing on one of our characters. Different character, different style, different animation studio. I like this idea. Maybe the animated show is a kind of spin-off of our spin-off. It tells the stories within the stories or expands on side characters. I'm thinking of something like what they did with the Animatrix. I really enjoyed that when it first came out. It gave us so much backstory. Something like that would be a fun side project and would expand this world a bit. Okay, we have a few things developing here and I think they are great. We have our old cast back, we have a whole new cast and we have an animated show. This is great fun. What we need now is a story. So for plot details for our Kill Bill prequel spin-off show, 
I've always wondered about how our squad got together. Does Bill approach them, or did they approach him? Bud is Bill's brother, so did they decide to form a squad together? Maybe Bud just does what his older brother tells him to do. Or maybe he needed some persuading to involve people outside the family. Bud always struck me as just living in his brother's shadow. He's a lonely bouncer at a strip club, and initially I thought this was because he was just, well, a bit of a bum. But I think I was wrong. I think Bud is punishing himself for being involved in killing Beatrix. At the start of Volume 2, Bill says to Bud, You have to stop being mad at me. I never caught that when I first watched it. I'm guessing the squad fell apart after Bill got them to kill Beatrix at her wedding. Bud regrets being involved, so he's working a shitty job, living in a shitty trailer as a kind of penance. Vanita retired and started a family. Oren leaves and goes to Japan. There's only L Driver left afterwards. Learning more about Daryl Hannah's character would be great. According to the wiki, Elle originally worked for Interpol and was sent on an assignment to apprehend Bill, but she ended up falling in love with him and becoming an assassin just to be with him. We could have some excellent scenes between her and Beatrix as Beatrix and Bill's relationship develops and Elle gets increasingly jealous, so I'm guessing the reason she's the only one to stick around with Bill after they tried to kill Beatrix was because she's still in love with Bill and had no qualms killing Beatrix because she was so jealous. We know from the animated scenes that Oren Ishii was one of the world's greatest assassins after she kills a Latin American political figure, but there's a five-year gap between that and when she's involved in the massacre at Two Pines, where the bride is left for dead. So what happened there? That's what I'd really like to see. Also, we didn't see Bud fight on screen, so it would be great to see more of him. In the movies, he kind of appears to be the least competent of the squad, but he does come closest to killing the bride, so he's clearly got skills. And we didn't get to see much of Vanita Green in the movies either, and Vivica A. Fox is a great actress. Seeing more of her would be so good. Vanita mentions that she was supposed to have the codename Black Mamba, not Beatrix, so there's definitely a little story there we could explore. There's so much potential for entertaining backstories and fantastic, gruesome fight scenes and interesting assassinations here with this group. But getting the details right is key. You need the right directors, the right choreographers and the right showrunners. Given Miramax, which is owned by Paramount, probably owns the rights to a Kill Bill TV show, it would likely end up on Paramount+. Plus. That isn't a bad thing at all, given what they've been doing with the Taylor Sheridan shows, like Yellowstone and 1883. The production value of those shows is insane, and the actors they're getting are great. They definitely have the experience, and, well, money, to pull this off. On the directing and writing side, it would obviously be Tarantino. He's unlikely to hand these characters over to anyone else, and he has written for TV before. There was an excellent two-parter for CSI back in the day that he wrote, and it was great. I'd love to see Tarantino stretch his legs on TV. He'd have hours and hours to tell stories and develop characters. It would be so much fun to watch. But what if Tarantino did hand over the reins to someone else? Who could do it? Loni Perister, who directed episodes of Warrior, American Horror Story and Banshee, I think would be a good place to start. He also did some excellent VFX works for Firefly and Battlestar Galactica back in the day, so that's how he's on my radar. 
his work on Warrior would definitely put him in good stead for some grade A Kill Bill action. Or maybe Andy Goddard. He's directed episodes of all the Netflix Marvel shows like Daredevil and The Punisher, so could definitely handle the action. He also directed episodes of some classic gritty British TV shows like Taggart and Wire in the Blood, so I think he'd be pretty damn good at both the action and the drama. Sticking with the Netflix Marvel shows alumni, Phil Abraham would be a good choice. He directed episodes of Daredevil, Ozark, The Long Road Home, Bosch, Ray Donovan, Mad Men, The Killing. That's an incredible list, so he could definitely do it. Actually, I'm now thinking about all of those excellent hallway fights in Daredevil. Those fantastic oneers where Daredevil or the Punisher just gets set up on by dozens and dozens of guys. That's the kind of action and the level of fighting that I'm thinking of here. Looking at those episodes, we have Mark Jobst and Stephen Sergic. Both have directed some of the most action-packed episodes of TV, including The Witcher, The Umbrella Academy, Reacher, Person of Interest, Jupiter's Legacy, and Berlin Station, a personal favourite of mine. It's actually fairly common these days to have dedicated action directors who focus solely on the main action and fight scenes. I think that could work really well for this show, so really any combination of those listed would be great. In terms of fighting and styling for the show, Warrior, starring Andrew Koji, has really shown what you can do in terms of martial arts and fighting in TV shows, and a Kill Bill show could use that as a great example. But it would have to ramp things up a bit and be much, much crazier. The two Kill Bill movies use some classic 1970s Chinese cinema techniques to create the infamous blood spurts. They used fire extinguishers and condoms full of blood, to create the -the over-the-top spurts and explosions. The show would have to do the same. It wouldn't be Kill Bill without all of those crazy blood spurts. We've seen a lot of blood in TV shows. I'm thinking of Game of Thrones and the ridiculous blood splashing onto the screen in Spartacus Blood and Sand. So we'd have to have something pretty memorable to make this show stand out. And we don't want to add in some excellent fight choreography, and we need at least one standout fight scene in every episode. This is a slight aside, but I've learnt so much about filming martial arts and action scenes and stunts from the Corridor crew on YouTube. Shout out to them and the stunt people they've had on and all of the movies, actors and stunt performers they've introduced me to. I fully recommend their channel. Okay, back to Kill Bill. One thing we have to think about is are we going to get Volume 3 on the big screen? Well, In June 2021, Tarantino did say that he's thinking about it and that the film would likely take place 20 years after the originals and that he was excited about the possibility of Thurman and her daughter Maya Hawke playing the bride and BB respectively. That makes perfect sense. The time works and getting mother and daughter to play mother and daughter is, well, sensible. Are we going to see them come up against the children of those Beatrix killed? For example, she kills Vanita Green right in front of her kid. So does that kid grow up and want revenge? That kind of makes sense and would be a lot of fun. But who would we cast? Gugu and Batha Raw would be great, but I've not seen her in an action role. Zoe Kravitz has some solid action chops after being in Mad Max and the Batman. I think she would be great. Zazie Beats from Deadpool can definitely fight and is great fun in that role. But Lashana Lynch was kick-ass in No Time to Die. I think she would be fantastic. Yeah. My vote goes to Lashana Lynch for Vanita Green's daughter. Are there any other offspring out there that may want revenge? 
What about the Crazy 88? Beatrix killed pretty much all of them. Have they regrouped over the 20 years? And are they now capable of taking her on? I think that would be fantastic to see. Okay, I think that's it. I think we have a solid plan there for a seven-episode prequel spin-off show starring most of the original cast and maybe directed by Tarantino, but if not, we have a solid list of directors and writers who could take up the mantle. We also have the makings of a prequel series, the whole new cast, and we have a spin-off animated series. I think we've done well there for about 20 minutes. And if Tarantino does get to make Volume 3 and all of our plans are ignored, well, then that too is great, as I'm sure we'll get some backstory and get to learn more about all of these characters we love, plus some new ones. I hope you've enjoyed this first episode of Unproduced and Unadapted, and that it's got you thinking about all of those potential sequels, prequels, spin-offs, and adaptations. Our next episode will focus on Jaws, the original summer blockbuster movie that made most of the world too scared to go into the ocean. In particular, we'll be talking about the fantastic Captain Quint, the grizzled, seasoned shark hunter who is hired by Chief Brody to help catch the man-eater. And after that, I have quite a few episodes lined up, so hit subscribe and join me for future episodes on Harry Potter, Cabin in the Woods, Hunger Games, Jurassic Park, Tremors, The Fifth Element, Underworld, Speed, and The Little Mermaid. We'll also have Halloween specials, Christmas specials, comic book specials, and many, many more. There'll be something for everyone. In fact, there'll be a bit of a teaser for upcoming episodes on Twitter soon, so do look out for that. If you have any suggestions for future episodes, send them my way on Twitter at unproducedunadapted or email me at unproducedunadapted at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and I'll see you on the next episode. Thank you.